In this episode of Castoshi, I speak to Mark Miller of LabelCoin, a revolutionary song exchange which allows fans to invest in songs. LabelCoin are doing this by building a smart contract-powered music sharing platform which divides song revenue into shares instead of the all-or-nothing approach of NFTs. We also talk about the wider music industry and where things are going. Stay tuned for this great episode. Welcome to another episode of Castoshi, and today we have Mark Miller of LabelCoin. Hi, Mark. Hi, Zubair. Great to see you. Good to see you too. Now, could you tell us the quick spiel about what LabelCoin does? Yeah, most simply, we're basically building Robin Hood for music. So our mission is to stamp out artistic poverty and doing that by making songs investable to the average fan. So imagine oh. that you can, yeah, imagine that you can just open up an app and go see uh, all the songs and just like you would into Spotify or some space like that. And you can, instead of just uh, listening to it, you can actually purchase those songs, sell them, trade them within the app and earn the royalties. So every time that's, that an artist is, uh, whenever you, uh, you hear a song on Spotify and Apple Music, et cetera, the artist is getting paid a small amount. And so we're allowing the artist to sell those royalties to fans so that now when people listen on Spotify to that artist, the fans get paid. Oh, I like it. Okay. So um, has anyone else tried this so far? There's been a, a few people trying to, to solve it, uh, not the way that we're doing it. Um, and they're primarily doing it as, a, as music NFTs, which we have some, some NFT integration coming next year in a different capacity. But we're doing it a different way for, for multiple reasons. Uh, and I can dive in deeper to that too. But I, the most notable would probably be Royal, uh, with DJ Blau here, uh, possibly Opulus um, in Europe. And there's a, there's a few others that are doing some neat stuff. But um, there are a lot of things that make what we're doing quite a bit different. Okay. Okay. So, so before we dive into that, could you tell me how you started here? Or were you just like born? Uh, known that you're going to do label coin or, or, <laughs> were, you born or were you born or made like, tell us your well back when i was how, three how, yeah, how your history yeah. led up to what you're doing and your interest and your why and how that led to the founding of label coin oh it's totally i mean that's probably one of the most important parts right um so i've been in the music industry for almost 20 years now which is crazy and uh, the first 10 of that i was an artist so i started out as a singer songwriter you know playing small venues and house shows and those types of things and then, um, you know, five years in, I met my wife and she told me on uh, our honeymoon that she wanted to quit her job and join me in music full time. I said, OK, that's awesome. A and uh, B, we need a new business plan. And uh, because we're definitely not earning enough uh, to you know, raise a family long term. And so we uh, worked on it. We found another uh, college market, started finding our way of, of touring universities, especially in colleges and still doing some small venue things in the U.S. and kind of kept growing and building from there. Um, by the end of that in 2015, we finally were, you know, making $120,000 a year from uh, from our music, from touring. And like, hey, this is this is amazing. This is working. This is making sense. You know, we're able to buy a townhome in Nashville, uh, you know, where we, we just moved there. And um, like, this is great. But then when you when you really when you break that down, though, Zubair is like um, the first, you know, 
$40,000 of that was expenses. So really we're making $80,000 a year. And then you split it between my wife and I, who are both working full-time, you know, uh, in more than full-time, to be honest, from the music, that's $40,000 a year. And that's, so that's basically our salary 10 years into our career. And at that point, we are literally in the top 2% of the industry, which is oh, wow. insane, right? <laughs> so so, so can I ask you a question here then is, yeah. when you say you're making money for music, because I've been trying to learn how it works, and I've heard this thing that people lose money on making music to break even mm. on concerts to make money on t-shirts. Is this true? <laughs> is this correct? In a nutshell, yes. Uh, I mean, because it is expensive. <laughs> I know um, something. I know something amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're great. So, I mean, when I started, CD sales were still a big thing, and so um, yeah, you would you still had to, your producer was expensive, right? I mean, most people oh, are paying producer, anywhere from. Could you just uh, imagine? Actually, no. I would say I, our guests are uneducated, but it's actually me. Could you tell me what a producer does? Oh, sure. So a producer is the one that you bring your, your raw song to and you're like, hey, here's my song, make it sound great. And so he does the recording, he brings in the other instruments, you know, the other people that, you know, the, the bass and the drums and, you know, cello or whatever you're wanting to have on that track. And so he's the one that does the recording. He might even be the one that mixes it, makes it sound great in the end. Um, but generally speaking, to, to produce, to make a song, to record it is going to cost you, for most people, anywhere between one to $3,000 per song. So um, the producer takes up, a, costs a lot, takes a lot of that money. Right, right. Um, and it takes a lot of time. So, I mean, that's, that's a fair wage for sure. But as an artist, you got to put that out up front. And then in the old days, we had to get CDs printed too. Then, of course, you're paying for that. <laughs> and um, so that, yeah, so easily like our last album that we did cost us around $25,000 to produce. Mm. And so um, then that was part of that $40,000 of expenses that I mentioned <laughs> and because uh, it definitely adds up. So when you want to keep releasing new music, that's expensive. Um, and so, yeah, over the past, you know, streaming definitely changed the game for us. Initially it was very negative. You know, of course, Napster was the first where it was all free streaming and we weren't getting paid a thing for it. And then all of a sudden the CD sales, which had been good, you know, people would buy CDs at every show and that, that crashed down. So you went from making, you know, an extra 10 to 15 bucks per fan to, you know, nothing off your music, uh, only making it off of the other merch, you know, like okay, t-shirts. But- can I so, yeah. so so but when um, Napster was there, didn't that increase your fan base? Uh, you know that's that's the argument, right? But uh, not, not really. No. <laughs> okay. No. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there, there there could have been a little bit of anecdotal evidence to that, but uh, overall, no. Uh, but it did shift the you know the industry, and I mean, I'm not here to complain about Napster by any means. Um, you just you take what you're given and you work with you find a new way forward and that's what happened with streaming you know spotify jumped in and at first people were pretty upset because wow we're making pennies and versus you know (laughs) what we were earning off of this Mm -hmm. but it it started to shift you know so 20 like 14 was kind of our lowest point in the music industry we're like oh man we're all (laughs) it's all kind of doom and gloom and it's been starting to shift around the other way like spotify for example and they're just one of many 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 people but they make up about 31 percent of digital streaming world of the money that gets paid whenever someone listens to a song and 
uh, in 2020, they paid out over $5 billion. 2021, oh, wow. last year, over $7 billion to creators. You know, and that number just keeps growing. And uh, Goldman Sachs, one of the big banks uh, here, of course, um, globally, they they project that by 2030, the music industry will be making $150 billion a year, um, you know, which is quite a bit more than where we're at now. So, and a lot of that is due to what's happening in digital streaming. Is that spread between a lot more people though? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's there are um, every day, almost 60,000 songs are uploaded to Spotify. Oh, wow. So that, that comes out to about 22 million songs a year. Oh, wow. So there are a lot of people, right? Yeah. But there's also a lot of people that just like, you know, hey, I just wrote this song on my guitar and recorded it on my iPhone and threw it up on Spotify. It's not hard to get your songs on Spotify. Um, but there's... A, a lot of people that are and should be able to make a living because they're working daily at this is their job. This is what they show up to. This is what they're, they're made to do. And it impacts a lot of people. And there are a lot of those songs too. Like, so over, uh, there are over 1.75 million songs with 200,000 or more streams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's significant. That's a lot of people listening to those songs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So th- yeah, there's a lot, but then there's also a lot of room for pe- a lot of people to succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, I, I would still guess though, because because I've heard that people like was it. I, I'm not sure if it's Taylor Swift or other people have complained mm-hmm. about Spotify, saying they make hardly anything. So so are you saying that that has changed and smaller artists are making a little bit of money or? Um, yeah, and it's still it's still like one of your tactics, right? Like um, some artists make if you, you have to release consistently. If you're just gonna hope to put up, you know three songs and and live off that that's not going to happen but if you release songs you know monthly or every other month and you keep doing that consistently then you actually build up quite a bit of income especially if it's, if it's good you know and, and you're doing other things in your career you're going you're playing shows or you're you know working on your youtube or being online tiktok building up those different avenues mm-hmm. um then that's where that that grows so the the hardest part for most artists is they can't stick it out um, you know, that that three to five year period traditionally where you have to keep going until you finally make that break, the breaking point where you make enough money to keep going. Um, most people quit before they get to that point. And so what we're doing is um, we're taking that those 10, 10 years basically of income of that catalog of what will this song potentially earn over 10 years. And we try to value that through a lot of different formulas in our algorithm. And we bring that forward and we say, okay, fans can invest in that because a fan, you know, right now they're, they might be supporting an artist just like via Kickstarter or Patreon, which is just out of the kindness of their hearts, you know? Um, But what if a fan can actually, you know, they're they're, They might be thrilled to make a 10% return on that investment every year uh, where an artist would be challenging. Um, and so that really adds up for the artist to where now all of a sudden they can make a living wage. Because if you have 200,000 spins a year, which I mentioned is, you know, 1.75 million songs currently have that or have that many spins, um, you could value that song pretty easily around $20,000. Uh, and for so an artist, if they sell half of that, you know, say 50% of those rich royalties, they're getting $10,000 from that song today. And if they do that five times a year, all of a sudden you've got a $50,000 base income you know, and that's consistent. That's, that's sustainable. And because there are people like, um, essentially what it breaks down to is about 0.003 to 0.004 cents every time someone listens to a song. Okay. Right. So, but like a million, so a million spins is going to equate to around, you know, three to $4,000. 
Okay, oh. okay, okay. Okay, so if if someone invests um, in one of the songs, they're relying on the artist to not give up. Is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, to some extent, it, there's there is that risk there, right? Just like there's an I guess any company, you hope it doesn't fail. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot of things we put in to help mitigate that risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's so so we we of course we value the songs from the start. And uh, we, we call it a lot like, like fantasy football numbers, but the way that song catalogs are currently being sold, because they are. So like right now, um, you might've heard of Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen selling all of their songs, selling their song catalogs to investors. And they're selling them for like $500 million. I mean, these are crazy, huge deals, but they're only being sold to institutional investors. Hmm. So the way that they value that is they look at the past three years average. Okay, like, so how much is this song making over the past three years? Then they project it out over multiples. And they say, okay, how much? So then we look over 20 to 30 years. If it's at that average, what will it earn over the next 20 to 30 years? And then that's the price of the catalog. Now, obviously they have a whole lot more history and a whole lot more to go with on that than a lot of the artists that we're working with because we're trying to make a platform that's great for the, the newer indie artists all the way up to that major label artist that makes sense. And so, so we look out at about a 10 year projection and then we also take another factor such as their touring history uh, we can look at like where they're also their plans, their future touring plans, who's on their team, what past projects have they done. We have a song discovery ranking mode that gives, uh, uses rewards to, to rank songs mm-hmm. anonymously. Um, and then that helps us know, one, if it's even a good song or not and how it's hitting with people. So that, that goes into the algorithm. All those things come together to give us basically that fantasy sports number, um, you know, and, and so who knows, you know, we think, you know, Ronaldo is going to get two goals uh you know next next pitch but who really knows we, we we don't he could you know break a leg and be gone you know i hope that doesn't happen because he's a fun player to watch but <laughs> and that would suck but uh but he, he might get four you know you never know what's going to happen there and oh, so okay so once they get that number the artist still gets to choose okay i see the price i see the valuation the estimate now i choose what i'm willing to sell this song for and then the fan we'll see our valuation. They'll see the, the price that artist is asking. They're going to see a confidence meter, how much data went into this number. And they're going to see one other really important thing. And that's how many spins, like on Spotify, for example, would it take for me to get a 10% APR or a 20% APR or whatever I'm hoping for. So they can have more of a realistic expectation. Mm. Like, okay, um, do I think this song can get that this year? And so uh, for a lot of artists this is our, our fans, this could be a, a great because what if you could have you know, found Ed Sheeran back when he was playing house shows you know, and invested in those songs back then? I mean, you have a crazy return on that stuff. Uh, I, I, I guess with so, this, though, if you're a fan, it's very hard to know. Like your proxy for knowing yeah. who's a good artist to invest in is to say these are people who I listen to myself, I guess. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so if you listen to a lot of new artists, you will say, okay, I like these 10 artists. I'll invest like 500 bucks in each one or something. Is it something? Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. You know, you hear him at a show and you're like, and that artist says, Hey, if you love that song, you can actually own part of it. Here's a QR code, you know? And, and you're like, Oh man, that was a great performer. That was a great song. I can totally see that going somewhere. What that only, you know, it's costing me 10 bucks right now to get this, this part. And do you make great. sure they get a fair price? By, by giving um, showing your your algorithm what you think is a fair price is that correct exactly and ah. we, we let them make that we let them make that call right because mm. it is an algorithm so 
you know, um, and there's a lot of, of X factors. And so at the end, it comes down to the, the fan being like, yeah, I believe in this and, and I know where this is going or that's a bargain. And they'll be able to see the data that supports. But uh, one other really cool thing that we have that nobody else has mm-hmm. has touched yet and that I think is really important for actually making it investable, you know, to where, hey, this actually makes can make sense mm-hmm. for me, is we have song mutual funds that we call mm-hmm. curated collections. Oh, wow. So instead of putting your 10 bucks into one song, you can put your 10 bucks into 100 songs curated by somebody who is a music nerd or a music blogger, or or it could be you. If you're that person, if you're someone that, that loves and is great at picking songs um, and you show that track record, people will, can choose to invest into your fund. And what's really cool about that is that curator Whoever puts together that fund earns five percent of the royalties that come. Oh, in so it's like a record label, yeah. So you could yeah, be like yeah. a record label on your platform. Okay. So, so I'm assuming that then your strategy is to start off with as many indie or individual artists and indie labels, indie produce um, like music makers as you can, or sort of songwriters, and then um, and then slowly you can build up the stack, and then and then you might even eventually like get well-known names either you the people who you've brought on become well-known names or people who are well-known names might also say this is a good model for me is that correct yeah it's, it's actually accelerated way quicker than i thought it would uh because we we were initially going for the indie artists because that was kind of our world mm-hmm. and we've we've found some really great success pretty quickly from that um mm-hmm. i mean some of our first signer signers were like uh, jonah baker who's got a million monthly listeners on spotify all the time a lot of your listeners might know him from youtube uh or like megan davies has 750 million spins you know 1.5 million subscribers on youtube um, yeah i saw you, know, you have you have yeah. you have some quite um popular groups when i looked at your mm-hmm. website some of the artists you've got and because the thing is it wouldn't let me download your app here in europe for some reason so oh it's not live yet we go live the end oh, of this year so, okay yep, so yep. is it like a private beta at the moment that you've re- that but then how, how do you get it uh so is it private for certain people to actually use the app to listen to things and invest yeah we've been building for about a year so we're getting we're getting close we're uh so we're projecting to be be live by the end of this year mm-hmm. um so a lot of you know the tech unlike you know most of the stuff that's happening in the web3 world mm-hmm. you know the, it's all about the, the tech and how you know brilliant coding brilliant new ideas and ways to use that uh, and use that blockchain our tech portion is not that complicated the most complicated part for us is all the rights management, all the partnerships, all the the legal things. Um, so we're we're also every single song with us is a registered security with the SEC. Oh, and wow. so okay, uh, and that was a, a giant piece to figure out, right? Because when you're talking about people's long term future income, you have to make sure you're going to be around for a long time. That's protected mm-hmm. and that it's done right. Mm-hmm. And you know we're unfortunately starting to see the results of some of those uh, of of shorter cuts um, and just things outside of people's control. But um, so we work with a broker dealer in the US named the Downmore Group. Um, and there's there's a special regulation that we have that we're able to, to cost effectively and, and make it scalable to make songs register securities. Okay, okay. So um, um, yeah, that's something I've heard that it's actually the management of the of the digital music rights that's the hardest thing to manage in a lot of this. And so yeah. you're, you're doing that by registering with the SEC. So saying saying these are like stocks. So so I'm trying to figure out where the crypto part will come in then because mm-hmm. when like if you look at something like if you look at NFTs for um, images, um, 
Mm-hmm. Like you say, look at OpenSea and Mintable. You can view the N- the uh, NFTs for one platform on the other. But with yours, when, when someone um, becomes part of your platform, just say like you'll have LabelCoin, just say Spotify decides to compete with you directly and make Spotify um, music, uh, digital music or something. Will you will will artists be able to um, like switch from your platform to theirs and vice versa, or how, how does? Because that's one of the promises of mm-hmm. of using crypto for, um, for for NFTs and music and digital rights. It's easy to switch platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two parts to that. I mean, first off, uh, where we tie in uh, on the money side, the royalties that are coming. Because uh, that is that is a complicated world, and it's it's I won't go too deeply into it because even a lot of artists don't understand how this works. But essentially, the money gets kind of split into two two buckets, and one of those you have to collect almost exclusively through like a, a what's called a PRO or performance rights organization, and that's for the the songwriting composition portion. And then the other side is that the master recording, or it's the people whoever paid to have that recorded. It basically they own that portion and that's most that's 80 percent of what like spotify pays out is like that amount mm-hmm. uh and so um so what happens if an artist wants to put their music onto spotify they typically go through what's called a distributor mm-hmm. and they they upload their songs they give they create a unique isrc code uh, international standard recording code and um that identifies that song across all digital spaces and then and all those different aspects then that distributor pushes it out to what we call DSPs, digital service providers, which are the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, the YouTube's, those places there. And then, then, so then the distributor collects from those people whenever it's played. They say, okay, you owe us this money because you agreed on this contract. Then they pay that back to the artist. So we tie in with that distributor. So if an artist says, I want to sell 10% of my digital streaming rights to this song, then we get a 10% split with the distributor. So the distributor knows, okay, now when that money comes from over here, 10% of that goes straight to LabelCoin. And then we pay that out to the song holders so it's 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 very simple very seamless and uh it protects the investors also keeps the artists having to do mundane stuff but so that's that's how that portion is handled but then on like the web three side um of course like if spotify wanted to do it i mean um i don't think that's they seem to be going more in the cooperative route like you know we saw like with steve alke like um they were just let him basically list his NFTs inside of his profile. And so they're starting to explore things like that. That's, we hope for that kind of integration, that would be awesome. Don't have to have that. But like if, if Spotify was to do it, for example, then I, I would imagine that they would only be able to um, to sell what they're earning from Spotify, you know, and not like all these other platforms. And so it would be confusing, but we couldn't, you couldn't sell your, the same rights on two platforms. You know, if I sell my, my 10% over on LabelCoin, I only now own ninety percent, <laughs> so therefore I can't resell that ten percent because it, it's you know it's already been sold. Um, but is it, is it being so, sold as a, as a as an NFT? That's this is what I'm trying to figure out. Or is it? Oh no! So so the way that we do that um, is is through smart contracts. Mm-hmm. So we actually issue essentially essentially a token that's like a, uh, but it, it's. It's not non-fungible. You know, every token is the same for that song. Is it like an so, Ethereum or a Matic smart contract? You're saying that has yeah, a logic yeah, okay. right. We're actually we're actually we're talking to four blockchains right now. We've gone through a six month consulting period, and mm-hmm. we're we're about to make that decision, that final decision on which mm-hmm. one we're building on. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
so what happens is for every, say if an artist wants to sell at 10% for $10,000, just to make it simple. Um, we issue one note is what we call the song shares. We issue one note for every $10 worth that they're selling. So if they're selling 10,000, that'd be 1,000 notes that are issued, but it's still fully fractionized, like, like, you know, like sats and Bitcoin, you know, you can, you can own 0.1 of a note if you want to. Um, and that's important because we want it to be investable to the average fan. We never want people to be priced out. We want anybody to be able to buy rather than have five or 10 bucks. Um, so they can be a part of what's going on. And, um, and so that's all done with, within our app. Um, so the, the buying, the selling, the trading, the exchanging, the custodial, you know, we work with yeah, a, a, quite a number of people. This crazy how many things happen in those transactions, right? That you have to, that for the, for the person, they just put in their credit card or connect their crypto wallet and, and boom, they, they, they bought it. Now they own notes and they start earning royalties and then they can resell it in our app. You know, for us, there's a whole lot more that happens behind the scenes under the hood. So that's that portion. That's how we handle that um, versus like, um, you know, Royal just, because they're, they're the most well-known, you know, they got $50 million from um, their last seed round, which was led by Paradigm, uh, the Coinbase fund, you know, so uh, they're large for that reason, but they're going more off that traditional NFT scarcity model, mm-hmm. um, which is, which there's cool stuff there. I'm not knocking that at all. It's, it's a strategy, but if you only issue 100 or 1000, you know, mm-hmm. NFTs total, and especially for those major artists, mm-hmm. It's costing you a thousand or thousands of dollars per NFT. Mm. That really prices out most fans, right? Oh yeah, because you have to buy the whole thing. You're saying instead of shares. Yeah. yeah. So 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 what I'm understanding is you're saying that, um, well, and also from from what I know with how N- NFTs work, is mm-hmm. at the moment um, a lot of the stuff is centralized, but you're moving to using smart contracts to, um, to um allow the uh, like fractional ownership of music rights and i do realize i mean i'm trying to give you a hard time about is it is it all crypto and i realize that no one's actually there yet with music because it's much more complex than how nfts have been done so far because now suddenly you have to like if you put everything in a smart contract then it opens up a lot of other issues as well because then everyone has to be plugged for example a lot of people who buy this music like if they want to interact with you, they might not want to have MetaMask installed, you know? Right, exactly. You know, exactly. They might Everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> might not even know what MetaMask is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. most people don't yeah. know what MetaMask is at all. So they'd rather yeah. just pay with US dollars. So, you know, so even though people, you know, us techies like the idea of decentralization, a lot of well, normal people hate the idea. They just want to have a service and, you know, they want it to be convenient. You know, they don't want to have to remember all of their keys and everything. Yeah. And are you, if you're at a concert and you decide you want to buy a song, do you really want to write down 12 seed phrases to that point and like try to remember what's going no, no, on? You don't. What do you do? You know, like, no, I just want to enjoy this song. Just let me, let me buy this in, you know, in 30 seconds to be done. Um, that is starting but, to change, by the way. That is because now Solana phone is coming yeah. out where it will be built in. So yeah. you're going to start getting Android phones where, you'll be at a concert and you can just pay your crypto. But then but then you will yeah. end up in a weird situation where someone won't have access because they've got an iPhone. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we'll see that wider adoption into other systems like iOS. And I think it's very exciting where we're going, but also working with what we've got now. And so I think this is going to be a a great bridge for a lot of people coming into crypto for the first time where they don't have to know what they're doing initially, Mm -hmm. but it creates options. And that's part of why we build on this foundation too, because like our, in our, in our second phase, Mm -hmm. we actually do want to, uh, tie in NFTs into several different ways. Mm-hmm. One of them, of course, is just an aggregated marketplace under that artist profile. So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, if, if I have my my NFTs currently listed under OpenSea for these different things, such as fan memberships or merch discounts or backstage passes, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that you can still find them in one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will have NFT minting as well um, mm-hmm. and for perks and things that can be tied to, for example, to note ownership. So, hey, mm-hmm. if you own, maybe you own 100 notes of one of my songs, uh, and I want to reward you by minting an NFT, allowing you to mint an NFT that gives you that merch discount or that backstage mm-hmm. pass or that meet and greet or whatever that thing could be mm-hmm. um, and create those. But we're also wanting to go into NFT concert tickets um, or integrate oh, yeah, with a that's very concert ticket partner. Yeah. I think that there's so much there that makes a ton of sense. But one of our big goals for that is to make uh, concerts and tours investable to the average fan. So imagine that that you're able to actually own part of a, a, a concert. So especially like once you get to mid-tier to larger tier concerts, um, those are put on by what we call promoters. And so what a promoter does is they buy a set number of shows from an artist or from, from their booking agent. And they say, I'm going to book this artist. Here's how much I'm going to pay you right now. And then we're going to do a split. So He's like, so I'll pay, you know, $100,000 for these 10 shows. Um, and then and then I'm going to get 50% of the, the ticket sales on, t- on top of that after mm-hmm. it's recouped. And you're going to get the other 50% if more of those mm-hmm. are sold. And so there's just, there's a lot of deals like that that happen. And so what would happen if the fans can actually be the ones that are the promoters in that sense, to where they're able to invest into concerts and then they're earning in the profits of that. You have an automatic street team as an artist. You mm-hmm. have like funds, you have you know, tours paid up front so that you're not putting money out of pocket until mm. you get there. Um, and it's just, it's just a really cool new experience for fans as well. But isn't that, so. but if you start as a, as someone who's, um, who produces music, if you try and set up a concert and people invest in that, does that require you to register with the SEC as well? Um, so there is like KYC AML that does have to happen. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's no way really around that right now. And that's just, um, you know, ah, so you can't do things at this scale. So you can't have MetaMask users just doing stuff without showing a photo. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not at this point. And, um, and I, who knows what's going to happen with legislation, where we're going there. We're kind of having to work with the hands that we're given uh, <laughs> to yeah, make yeah. cool stuff. So, um, and I think that we're going to see more and more. And I think there, there will be opportunities for things like dids and, you know, is that becomes. Um, That's decentralized that identifiers for, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think we could see potential future legislation that recognizes dibs where people don't have to give up their mm. um, their privacy is is or at least to as wide number of people. Um, but for right now, anyways, it's I mean we just have to. You're talking securities, KYC, AML is kind of a must for the U.S. Anyways. Sure. So. Okay. Okay. So now can we talk about like um, the progress of the company? So actually, firstly, how, so how are you funding all this? Is this all self, self-funded or are you venture capital funded or how, how, um, and how many people are there in your company? Where are you based? Stuff like that. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so we started out as myself um, with two co-founders, myself and Chad Peterson. So I came from the music side I told you about, and then I started an artist agency. So representing a lot of artists that were on like The Voice or American Idol or shows like that and helping helping them succeed. Um, and so that's for the past like almost seven years, we've had that agency as well. Um, and then, and so that's, that's our wheelhouse. And then on the other side, Chad Peterson comes from wall street. So he was an investment banker and a, a, a VC investor doing those types of things. So he's the ones who's been building our, you know, our algorithms, doing a lot of the, uh, the, the trading side, figuring out how this all works on that side. Um, and then we had a third co-founder come on board. So there's three of us total uh, on the co-founding side, uh, John Platalero, who built the first music SaaS platform. So mm -hmm. software as a service for music almost 20 years ago called eventbooking.com. And he sold that last year, um, exited and he's, but he worked with a lot of other top, um, you know, uh, music execs in the, in the world for, and I won't drop all the names here on that because it probably won't be as as familiar to, to most of the, the audience here in the crypto world, but um, but he also put in the first hundred thousand dollars to get us launched and rolling, um, and then we've we've raised some pre-seed money since then. Uh, where there's a few more people that are putting in a little bit more pre-seed right now, but we're about to go into our seed round, um, which will be a three to five million dollar raise. And is it just dollars or is it months. a token as well? Um, it's just all we're just doing we're doing equity we're selling equity right okay. now um we chose not to do a, a token on an exchange or go the ico route um mm. because of, of regulation what we're seeing but also because of volatility mm. you know um our blockchain consulting company you know really helped us with that rewired one um mm. and so they're actually based in you know the, the uk the us and australia so they kind of across the across the map um but you know, they helped us structure it in such a way that like, that's one of the problems right now that people are running into with, um, with music NFTs uh, and all NFTs across the board, but especially music NFTs where songs are being sold or, or listed um, in ETH, right? And so when, when the ETH price is jumping up, that's, that's great for the artists, you know, and, and then the fan of the hype's there, they'll still buy it in there. It's not as great of a purchase for them. When, when it drops down, like we see now, it's like, oh, shoot, the artist was selling this for $5,000. Now they're selling for $2,000. Yeah. I wanted to make yeah. more off that. It's yeah, so a lot of people <laughs> so, are just so, saying USDC or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So if we, so that's a, a great way to do it too mm -hmm. on that side, but, um, but we didn't want to have, uh, you know, that, that volatility for something that's an asset that has this much real world, like, mm. like clear tied value mm. from like royalties that are coming in and that you're able to say, okay, we can base our price off, off of what's happening here. And then you can of course convert it and then you can, you know, accept your money in crypto or, <laughs> or move over into mm. these different spaces. But, um, but that just kind of helps protect the system as a whole for us. That's the way that we chose to go about it. Okay, so so okay, so I can see. So re really, you're, where you where you want to go to is to be a kind of mix of Robinhood and OpenSea. Have some of you know. So you've got pe people get into it just via normal payment rails, and they mm -hmm. and uh, maybe and, and then and slowly you're introducing you know crypto into it as you know as the standards evolve for music. So um, mm -hmm. okay, um, okay, um, so. Um, where do you see like um like of course i mean with what you're doing you have a vision for where the uh, industry is going to be but so if you're like you, i know your tagline is to eliminate artist poverty so 
how do you see things will be different for someone like let's just say mm. in five years time if you're an artist and you really don't and you're good at making music and you can you can write some songs how, what would the steps be because at the moment you know they'd have to go and maybe form a band book venues do you know do all this stuff which they hate to do so where do you see that the, uh, what would have changed in five years time totally like uh you know, there's, there's something we, I, we put it on our website. It's like, what, what do 98% of artists have in common? Uh, a second job. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, all have to, they all have to do something else to survive and, and they get home and they hope they have enough energy at 7 p.m. to write a, a new great song or hit the studio, record something, go play a show. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and that's why the, the burnout rate is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hope that we've helped in five years time. I hope we've helped tens of thousands of artists be able to, to quit those other jobs and be earning full-time what they're doing. I hope we've helped hundreds of thousands of fans um, engage with new ways with their artists and actually be making profit on their investments. Um, you know, I hope that we've, we've changed that narrative and, and raised the value of music to where, hey, this is something that we value as a society. Uh, and and we've we've helped create a way for it to make it that you know profitable, not for the sake of because it's all about the money, but because that's that's where long term stability uh, you know sustainability is. If you're not profitable, you can't be around for very long. And so we're hoping to change that for artists so they can keep doing what they're made to do. Mm-hmm. And then they can also hire teams and have the freedom to say, okay, you know, there's still value in a label. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because a label brings a team of experience and people on all kinds of different avenues that an artist won't have naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, most won't. You know, most artists who succeed now succeed because they're good at business or they're good at marketing or probably both. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so this opens it up for people that are just great at creating amazing music and performing mm-hmm. it and really connecting us and giving us soundtracks that we live by. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's and so helping those people keep doing that and have the money to hire their own team or leverage for a better label deal or whatever that might be um you know that's where we hope to go yeah i mean i, I do i do like that as a vision because yeah they, they, yeah i mean basically artists you're right they just want to create you know they, they just want to create stuff so uh, at the moment are you um i know we spoke a bit earlier about it are you u.s based on you're only trialing in the u.s or are you going to be are you going to be moving to europe as well uh, or, or opening up to artists in europe soon as too yeah, no, we'll definitely be going global. Uh, you know, right now, all of our team is U.S.-based, uh, aside from our blockchain partners. Uh, well, I guess our dev team also uh, Canadian, and one of them is, uh, you know, spends a lot of time in France and things like that. But so um, we do have that. We've been talking with with uh, with different people. Actually, a lot of we just presented at a music conference mm. called A2IM Indie Week, which is like the biggest music independent conference in the U.S., mm. Uh, and we met with a lot of indie labels, a lot of distributors, and a lot of those were global and people. And so we're, we're working on, on really how best to, to bring this to market in you know, Latin America, in Europe, in the UK, um, you know, different spaces. And so we, we're excited about that. And so I think it's, it's going to come pretty quickly. And what's, what's, what is nice is that um, <laughs> for the silver lining of, of our regulation in the U.S. and and how intense it can be mm-hmm. is that pretty much once you're in line with what's happening in the U.S., you're good to go for the rest of the world. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah yeah. So it's like everyone else is like okay that they they have pretty much the highest <laughs> regulation and laws that there are. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, which yeah, 
No, I'll leave that where it is. But, okay. But yeah, okay. so, but we do plan to expand, yes. And and yes, where we're at, um, our team, uh, most of our team is between Nashville and Reading, but also like, um, you know, our advisors are different places, our artist council all over the map. Um, but between like California and Tennessee in the U.S. is where most of our core team is. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, as um, a member of the public, we'll be able to access this around December time, you say? Uh, that is our goal. We're on target for that right now. So that or, okay. or possibly Q1 of 2023. So. Okay. All right. Great. Um, okay. Is there any links you'd like to spell out for your service for the people who are on the audio only podcast of where to find you or anything else you'd like to, um, to um, add? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, LabelCoin, so at LabelCoin, where you can find us about That's everywhere. Um, L-A-B-E-L, uh, by the way, not L-E, yep. as I kept doing. <laughs> so, L-A-B-E-L. Yeah, yeah, the British the British spelling is probably different yeah. there it's, yeah, yeah. In, in Canadian. And yeah, L-A-B-E-L-C-O-I-N. Uh, and they can find me on Twitter as well at Music Ally Mark or Music Lean Mark. Um, and right now we're actually accepting signups for artists. We have artists signing up right now that are helping with the, the refining features. And then they have part of the beta, they get first access. They will also be putting our marketing money behind those songs and those artists. Um, and investors will be able to sign up soon too, just to stay in the loop and follow those. But you can follow us on those platforms to know what's happening. Um, because we love it. We're, we see this very much as we're, we're trying to solve a big world problem, right? And so we're not tight-fisted with this. We, we want to integrate. We want to find partners. We want to find people. We wanna, we're not trying to burn anyone down or, or you know, destroy it, blow up the industry. We're <laughs> um, as much as, as possible trying to look after everybody's interests and say, okay, how do we help this make sense for that person, for the, for the fan, for the artist, for all these parts of the music industry and the, and the banking world? How do we, as much as possible, not destroy people's worlds and make it better. Uh, and so that's, that's where we're trying to find um, those solutions. So, yeah. So thank you yeah, so much. Oh, thank you. For I having had that approach. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It's been great to have you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a great time to be here. <laughs> Thanks, Uber. Take care. <laughs>